From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine. We're coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas's Opus College of Business, serving more than 3,000 students enrolled in its undergraduate and graduate business programs. The college develops effective, principled business leaders who think globally and act ethically. And now, by all means. Even before the governor ordered restaurants to close their dining rooms and limit service to takeout due to COVID-19, Punch Pizza, with a dozen locations around the Twin Cities, made the decision to close completely for the safety of its employees and guests. The day Governor Tim Walls made the official announcement, Punch Pizza co-owner John Puckett was there to speak about the difficult but necessary decision to close. It didn't surprise me to see John speaking on behalf of the industry, and if you've been listening to By All Means since the very beginning, it probably didn't surprise you either. John was our very first guest on this podcast last year. We talked about how he and his wife built Caribou Coffee into a national brand, and then the conscious decision he made to keep Punch a local player. In these unprecedented times with restaurants closed and millions out of work, I thought it might be worthwhile to check in with John to get his thoughts on leading through crisis. John, thanks for taking the time to join us. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, first of all, how are you? How is your family? Where are you now? Um, we're good. We've been, um, we've have our college um, kid back at home. We have our senior in high school and we have school days and online learning. And I'm sneaking into some of the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial management classes at the Carlson School online. (laughs) So hopefully the professor's not listening, but he's really good. Um, (laughs) And so just we're making the most of um, the family time Mm -hmm. and actually, um, you know, having some good thinking done while our business is closed about how we'd actually rebuild the business. And it's, it's, um, you know, nobody in our generation has seen anything like this, even close, close to it. Right. There's no preparation you can have for it. Um, there's no modeling that anybody did. And it's, you know, it's probably the combination of World War II and the Great Depression, all, all concentrated in a short period of time. Hard to wrap your head around, really, even now. Um, take us back, John, to to early March or, or even before. When when do you remember, you know, your first kind of, you know, hearing about coronavirus? And, and when did it start to crystallize for you that this was going to impact your business? Yeah, so we, my, my business partner and founder of Punch and I are, are news junkies and Twitter followers. So we started getting alarmed by this in early to mid-February, and I was daily going on Worldometer to look at statistics about what's happening in China. And then um, what was fascinating in a, in a terrible way was I was kind of like on the Titanic forward deck or this lookout, hmm. and you could see this iceberg. We're heading toward it. And there was a lot of hope it wouldn't um, – take off in the Western world, but you kind of had this bad sense that this could be, you know, this didn't look, this did not look very good. And if you're in the hospitality business, um, you're generally worried about safe practices. And we pride ourselves on never having, we've never had a foodborne illness or any food safety issue. 
So that keeps us up at night, making sure that we're as safe and sanitary as possible. Um, but this was really frightening that something like this could happen. But it took us by surprise how quickly things happened. That that last week before we opened, um, the, the second week of March, we were literally having record sales by a order of magnitude of you know, that we've not seen before. Our sales were so strong. The Wednesday of that week that we closed the company on Sunday, um, we were having record sales. What do you make of that? It's just the speed of this virus, the exponential speed of the virus. So we went from, you know, if you just look at the charts, like you had some infections in Seattle and then Wisconsin and then a few in Minneapolis, a few in Minnesota, And it was all sort of percolating, but nothing serious. And then just things obviously blew up in places like New York um, in a frightening way and Italy. And, you know, that Wednesday night, we'd had the record sales. And I think that was the night that President Trump shut down um, Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, And our daughter was um, there on spring break visiting her boyfriend, who was a Carlson school program in, in, in Ireland. So we spent we were up all that night getting her home, getting her and her boyfriend flights. Um, and then the next day, we started thinking about shifting our business all to takeout. And we we actually had, we built a phone bank that we're going to use again, but we invested quite a bit and created phone stations in the basement of our office in Highland Village. And we were literally going to, that following week, shift to a closed dining room environment and a takeout only environment because we do a lot of um, business um, takeout. Right. And of all businesses, I'm sorry, almost a third. No, go ahead. I I, I just was going to say of all businesses, you seemed very, you know, particularly well uh, equipped to do takeout. You do a lot of takeout anyway. Why did you make the decision not to do that and to close completely? So on Sunday, so we we saw some decline in sales all that weekend. And but nothing that would make you think that you couldn't get through this. We saw the same thing in the great recession of 0708. And you know, Neapolitan pizza is Italian street food. You know, we have a very our pizza margarita in a even a difficult financial or cri- you know, we're we're more affordable than a Domino's pizza uh, if you have our margarita. And um, and we think a hell of a lot better. <laughs> so we've hunkered down before and made it through tough times. What scared the hell out of us was Sunday. We had two calls with our director of operations where we thought for a certain amount of time that we had COVID-19 infections of our staff. And it turned out to be false alarm. One was a strep throat and the other one um, was a roommate that uh, that that it turned out did not have that the virus. But we just realized, given the outbreak and the lack of PPE for our employees, that operating at a physical safe distance in a restaurant environment, even if it was 100% takeout, we were going to have sick employees and we were going to have to notify customers that they dine with us and had our pizza um, and we had a, they were going to potentially get the virus. So we just said there's no way we can operate in a safe manner until – um, and I think we're starting to figure this out now, 33 days later, there are things that the state and the federal government can do 
um, and businesses can do that you could see light at the end of the tunnel and we'll probably get into that. But at the time, you know, we made a $8,000 order the week before for uh, gloves um, because those were hard to get. So we got it. We found a source of literally pallets and pallets of gloves, but we couldn't get masks. And I don't think you can still get masks at you know high quality food or medical grade. And you probably shouldn't get masks because if they're healthcare people that don't have masks, certainly restaurant employees, the world can live without Neapolitan pizza for a couple of months. Well, that's debatable, but yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, we're dying of, I've picked up sourdough bread baking and a sourdough culture and I'm texting pictures to my business partner of my proof and picking out the Nancy Silverton's book that I used to have 30 years ago. So (laughs) yes, I'm dying for our pizza and we both are. My partner actually took a picture of the last punch pizza made and sent it to me and said, this is going to be brutal. Um, but but we just reached that conclusion that this is not going to work. Right. And this is, I can't imagine exhausting and getting our employees sick and, and going through this as a business. Um, and it turned out, you know, we made that decision on Sunday. We let the company know Monday. And then the state ended up asking restaurants to close all dining rooms. Um, and, and um for the good of the community. So it, it, it all happened so quickly. Um, it did. It did. It seemed just we were all sort of realizing this and figuring it out in, in real time. I'm curious, John, did you have, I mean, obviously you were there by the governor's side and a couple other restaurateurs there with you. Did, have you had or do you continue to have conversations with other restaurant owners? Obviously, lots have decided to shift to takeout, lots of companies still making pizzas they've made a different decision than your company how how have you, how have you approached that with some others in the field we we thought we needed to see the science of this change and we 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 made a business decision we we obviously are following what everyone's doing and looking at numbers and but you know we John and I own the company so we don't have shareholders um we we have very little debt um we thought safety trumped everything. And we thought until we have the right gear to protect our employees, there's no way you could safely operate. And we aren't a grocery, so we're not critical um, for, you know, we're not food, gas, water, heating, utilities. So we're not a critical industry. Um, and until you know, we can get comfortable that there's better testing and we can ensure that um, our, our work environment is safe, um, we thought it was it would not be smart for us to operate. I mean, we went from thinking about trying to apply for the National Baldrige Award with all the systems and quality work we've done on that Wednesday. You know, we were really geared up for that with all the innovations we've done on cleanliness and sanitation and operating practices and quality improvements. You know, it, we went from that to having to close our business in literally three days. Yeah. And it's a business that we've been building for 25 years. Um, just the the magnitude of the of the change is incredible. But we thought that trying to um, operate in a way that wasn't safe and that I don't think you know and, and maybe even further hurt the company's ability to open strong financially because I I don't think unless you're a um, a 100% drive-through business that the profit model even works for a business like Punch um, 
to immediately go into uh, takeout only when I, I don't know if you've seen all the traffic numbers, people are staying at home. Right. And I think that's going to, I think in the next two or three or four or five or six weeks, we're going to see businesses reopen um, slowly, recreation open, um, hopefully schools back for the fall. Um, so people are going to come back. And I think there's, there's good news. Now we're starting to see good news on the science front in terms of treatment and some hope for a vaccine. So I almost sense even today the mood shifting, but in the safety and the reality of the situation, we made a tough call just to um, live to fight another day. So so tell me a little bit what, what it's been like since you made that call. What what happens to your staff? How many employees do you have? Um, we had about 400. And did you furlough them? Did you let them go? How, yes. how do you do that? So everyone's uh, we furloughed everyone and the you know now we're starting to bring back um in waves employees as we get closer to reopening and so i'm, I'm going to be really interested next week what the governor does in, in terms of laying out a plan for reopening and you know our list is ppe for employees um testing so if an employee feels like they're sick or they've been exposed to someone they can find out so we can make sure that you know, they're, um, they can quarantine at home and they're paid for that. Um, and, you know, it's just sort of common sense practices that I, I see can work to reopen. Um, but no, that's, um, and we're very grateful for the state and for the federal government, um, to, you know, to have such good unemployment for the next three to four months, um, for our employees. So they can be taken care of, and then we think we'll be up and running and rebuilding by the time, hopefully by the time, the federal stimulus um, of the added unemployment runs out, which I I think is August 1st. I realize everything is sort of up in the air right now, but I mean, are you sort of operating under the assumption that you'll reopen in in May? I think that's a little optimistic, um, but I'm waiting to hear what the, you know, until you can go get mask in a distribution channel and we can have proper mask of our employees, that would be one big thing for me that until those are available, I don't think I wouldn't feel good about having our employees in a tight operation working. Hmm. I know I don't you I don't have you made the homemade mask yet? I'm not that capable, but I've I've gotten some from friends, thankfully. My my wife and oldest daughter made some and they're not I don't think I'd feel good. I mean, no offense to their sewing skills, <laughs> but um I don't think I'd feel good having homemade masks in a restaurant environment. So right, right. I'd like to see masks available, you know, in restaurant distribution channels. And I think everyone's gonna feel really much better. Um, if the, and I think I saw something in the paper today that the U and the Mayo Clinic are really ramping up. And both antibody and virus testing. So, so John, what has the day to day been like for you since the restaurant shut down? What What are you working on? There is no game plan for having to completely close your business. No. What are What I have mean, you been doing? It's a great question. It, I've been busier the last thirty three days. I think I've aged um, <laughs> thirty three years, and it's literally been twenty four seven disaster aid, business interruption insurance issues, 
um, and replanning the opening. So extremely busy. Um, one ex- one experience we've had, which is really searing, and if there are any small businesses listening, whatever you do is my learning. Do not um, work with a bank that you don't know the owner and you don't know the senior management team. We really got, both my wife and I really got burned because we had relationships with large national banks that have a lot of branches in the Twin Cities, and I won't name names, hmm. but they totally screwed small business clients hmm. um, with this uh, disaster aid. And I feel so grateful to the small banks, community banks that literally have been working around the clock to help small businesses, even if they weren't existing clients. And we got saved by Crown Bank here locally and Heritage Bank based out in Wilmer um, that both um, dropped what they were, you know, they, they, all those bankers at those two banks, and I'm sure all the local community banks have been the same, mm-hmm. have been working overnight yeah. to help their businesses. Wow, and we've heard a lot of it stories. It was just like a that. good learning for me that I thought um, that we were really smart to have a big national bank because they had the resources and then really good local bankers. And they basic those big banks basically neutered all their local bankers in Minnesota and and. I'll be interested to see when the dust settles why those big banks did what they did. But there was, you know, they they basically chose to not support their local clients. And I, it, it, it was a really big business lesson for me. And I think the other lesson is, you know, I don't think we'll be buying a lot of things from China coming out of this. I think we're going to look for domestic sources. We're going to look for, um, you know, having the U.S. made products is going to be a bigger issue. And if it costs us a little bit more money to do business with a local company and a local bank, I think that'll be a big change coming out of the virus is that you're going to you're going to appreciate those local relationships a lot more. Interesting. What have you learned about yourself and, and being a leader? You know, you learn what what kind of stress you can handle. Hmm. <laughs> you learn your resiliency. It's something I've never I've never come close to an issue or a crisis like this. And I think I, my my partner and I are very good at making decisions, even if it has to be a quick decision and you're not 100% sure it's the right thing. I think the worst thing you can do in a crisis is be paralyzed and not make a decision. So there are a lot of little decisions we've made, you know, including 3 a.m. last week, giving up on our national bank and calling up a local banker. Um, to help us with disaster aid, just with your gut instinct. Um, And the hopeful part of me has always been my strength. And I'm starting to feel hope again. I mean, I think that even the daily news we're getting about reopening this country. And we're taking advantage of having a company with zero revenue. So one big idea that I think we're going to do, this may be news, um, and my partner may kill me, (laughs) but, um, you know, we're really thinking about not opening on Sundays when we restart because, you know, maximizing sales and profit, um, you know, I think we'll be really happy if we can reemploy 400 people, um, have a company that breaks even or loses a respectable amount of money next year, um, and then makes a little bit the next year. Your whole, when you're zero revenue and zero profit from a very successful business, 
you know, you really, you kind of have a different thought about work-life balance and having a, you know, restaurant business is notorious for eating up people Mm -hmm. and staff. And I think giving everybody a mandatory day off, no matter what happens um, during the week, I think will be, is an idea that, um, that my partner and I really think, um, would, would help our culture and, and make our culture even stronger when we reopen. Interesting. So there may be a lot of disappointed people initially on Sunday if we do that. <laughs> but that's the kind of thinking we're doing. You know, zero revenue, zero. I mean, my partners and I up until today were the only employees of the company for the last 30 days. And we were on a volunteer basis. Yeah. Um, and that that's just a mind-blowing thing to go through. But I think we're hopeful and we're going to use this to our advantage. So when we restart, it will be very focused on quality, even more focused than we were before. And we're going to have the, you know, I'm going to be in there making pizzas and serving customers on a hands-on basis until we get too big and too many stores um, to do that and spread yourself out. Um but it it's going to re-engage our entire our entire team on serving the customer and being fanatical about quality. Are there other um, changes that you see on a broader scale for the restaurant industry or hospitality in general coming out of this? I mean, obviously, as you said earlier, you have a, a, a very affordable product. It seems like that's likely to rebound. People will be able to justify a pizza faster than, you know, a fine dining experience. But how long do you think it's going to take to to come back? You know, we're... We're planning on it to be take two years, hmm. um, two to two and a half years on sort of the worst case. Um, it could come back a little quicker. I don't think anybody knows. So we're, we're sort of planning for the worst and hoping for the best. I think, you know, our learning and what we see in the industry is, lim- you know, quick service formats with um, generally have an advantage on if it's a recession um, or, or, God forbid, a depression. And we're going to make sure we have a really great value offer for our quality. But I don't think anyone knows. I mean, I spent time today on a a famous chef's tweet that owns um, Momofoku noodle shops in New Mm -hmm. York, David Chang. And he asked all his restaurant buddies in Asia, um, to send pictures of what China looks like or what Hong Kong looks like or what Singapore looks like. And it was encouraging to see restaurants over there today with customers dining in next to each other. You know, hmm. And there's generally social distancing inside the restaurants. So there's not as many seats, but they're definitely customers inside without a mask on, obviously, eating. And that just seeing those images today gives me hope that this will come back. Right. Right. Well, let's end on that note and uh, hope for better days ahead. John, thank you so much for sharing your insights as always and be well and can't wait to have a pizza. We can't either. (laughs) All right. Take care, John. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.
Well, that was John Puckett. Amazing words of, of leadership and inspiration. And I think we can use all we can get. So, so let's get a little more. Let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. Gino Giovanelli is a digital marketing professor at St. Thomas. Gino, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. I assume that you too have pivoted to uh, teaching online and you're talking to us from home right now. Yes, that's true. Uh, all my classes are officially online. And it looks like it's going to be that way for a while, um, but we're all adjusting. Students are amazingly resilient and uh, we're getting used to this new new. Uh, and it's, 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 a good, it's, it's just a good opportunity to, to learn how to learn a new way. Well, when you think about all the the case studies that I'm sure you teach in your business classes, there's not really a playbook for having to shut down your entire business. No, there isn't. In fact, I, I just recently in my in one of my classes, Allison, I teach a a marketing capstone course where students are put onto teams and they work with a real client on a real business challenge. And uh, it's it's the last thing they take as part of their marketing degree. Anyway, I had one student in, in that class say to me, um, hey, when was the last time this ever happened? And I'm like, I don't remember any time this happened. So it's, it's kind of a new day. And they asked me after that, they're like, hey, so um, what would you say to my client now with all this going on? And I'm hmm. like, I think I would I'd tell them to rip up their marketing plan, at least in the short term, and figure out a way out. And so, ironically, the next question they asked me was, so is COVID in scope or not for our client? And I said, <laughs> uh, or for our for our project, and I'm like, you know, I don't think we have the the luxury of saying it's out of scope. I think it's it's a real problem. And if this class is how we take everything we learned in, in three and a half years of college in marketing and put it into a real business, I think we have to play it as in scope and, and make it into a real assignment rather than this uh, this kind of protected, insulated school project, if you will, right. um, at St. Thomas. So uh, yeah, there, we've never had this before. And I think this represents just a new day uh, for the clients and for the students to help the clients through this this crisis. So we heard John Puckett thought about talk about literally, you know, throwing out everything he knew about running his business, his very successful mm-hmm. business. You're kind of doing the same thing, throwing out the the syllabus. Oh, totally. Yeah. In fact, yeah. In fact, I had. I here's what I tried to do though. I tried to keep as much of the course intact so that the students felt like, you know, we're we're still we're still doing this course, right? But I tweaked it a little bit because obviously the things that are going on with it. But but for example, with this project, yeah, we, we had to basically say, we're breaking from the rubric here and you guys are all hands on deck and you're going to help your client get through this. And if that means helping them figure out how to, um, you know, kind of take this pause like John's doing and retool the business. So when you get on the other side of this thing, you could hit it hard and be successful in the new new, or it might mean, hey, we need a strategy to get us through this thing because mm-hmm. we might not be there on the other end of it. Right. So yeah, so they they're they're experiencing this firsthand, and they're and they're feeling it because they know the client. They've been doing client meetings with them. They're 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 almost thought of it as extensions of of that client's marketing team. So it's. Yeah, it's it's pretty real. It's very yeah. real. Um, any any words of wisdom that you've been able to impart, or, or or words of wisdom from other business leaders that you can take in this crazy, uncertain time? Well, I think I, well, I learned a lot from John. Honestly, I mean, he I loved how thoughtful he was, 
and how strategic he was. I mean, a lot of people might think this is a, a blocking and tackling kind of situation where it's like, okay, we need to just retool our product. Uh, maybe we need to figure out a new target market. Maybe we need to use technology in a new way to sell it uh, online and, uh, and, and, and track, track shipments online like we never have before because we, we can't do business the old way. But I, I like the way in particular how holistically he looked at the whole situation. He looked at it from a from a you know obviously the financials and the business, but a, a ton on the people side. Right. right? Um, and even I I loved how he said on the other end of this, they might close on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I mean that was that was awesome. I mean they, here's a guy trying to figure out how to survive, and then when he when he, when when they make it through this thing, he wants to close one of the days of the week. Right. Which which is a total shift. And and I'm trying to do this personally myself with our family it's like you know we're, we're we've never eaten better we've never slept more we've never had more family time we i'm exercising more it's like hey how do i take this opportunity to go like i can take this through to the other side and have it be permanent hmm. you know it's all, always trying to find that silver lining and i think business leaders need to do that too where it's not just a tackle and block kind of thing here we we we, we got to come out of this better than we went into it. Right. Great perspective and, and a great attitude, I think, to, to get us through. Thank you, Gino. And, and thank you to our sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Opus College of Business. If you haven't yet, take a minute to subscribe to the show. We've got lots of episodes sure to inspire you and, and help inform some of the difficult business decisions that you might be making right now. You can go to tcbmag.com slash by all means to learn more about this podcast. Thanks for listening. It takes teamwork to make by all means, and we've got some all stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Forlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas Senior Media Relations Manager, Vanita Sakar and Associate Dean of the Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, Laura Dunham, for all their help. Our theme music is by Songfinch. Hope you enjoyed. By all means. <laughs>